0: train Welcome to Counterpunch Radio. My name is Eric Graitzer. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to episode 47. Now, I would generally give a pitch for Counterpunch here, explain the importance of alternative media, preserving these spaces, but my time is limited and I have such an amazing guest on the line. I want to jump right into the conversation. A man who generally really needs no introduction, but still I'll give him a very quick introduction. He is activist, journalist, filmmaker, uh, legendary figure on the left as far as I'm concerned, one of the true anti-imperialists in the world. It is Mr. John Pilger. John, welcome back to Counterpunch Radio.
1: Thanks, Eric. Very good to be back.
0: Now, we have to touch on what I consider to be Probably the most important issue we have in terms of the political landscape both in the US and really internationally we have this whole uh, flap about the brexit and all of that dominating the headlines but let us really go to the heart of the matter that is the specter to paraphrase the famous modern thinker the specter haunting Europe but also Asia and Africa and Latin America and indeed the entire world and that specter as Hillary Clinton, and that's something you're not supposed to say. But John, tell me why you think Hillary is such a danger to the world. Well, that's yeah, it's, good.
1: it's a good image to have. Hillary Clinton described as a spectre. I think that's correct. Um, look, Hillary Clinton. The difference between Hillary Clinton, and Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a is a wild maverick. Um, grotesque. In uh, so much of his postures and everything else um, but Hillary Clinton is the embodiment of a rapacious system not only the embodiment Hillary Clinton it seems to me has devoted much of her political career uh, very long political career to um, to to uh, one, one of deep aggression. It's a very interesting phenomenon to watch it, but I think personally she's um, someone who will bring policies of of great aggression to uh, to the United States and to the world. I'm thinking of her. There are there are a number of examples, but I'm thinking of in particular. Her, her, her very considerable contribution to the destruction of Libya. Libya was a stable country and a modern country. Um, it had a dictator, but many countries had dictators. It actually had a dictator who was anxiously doing a number of uh, compliant deals with the West, but he had a streak of independence. He wanted to, um, he saw himself and Libya as playing a very significant role in Africa, and he provided from his oil revenues a large amount of money to Africa, to an African development bank. His dream was to fund an African currency. He. in his own way, wanted a certain independence in Africa and certainly in North Africa. Um, Hillary Clinton blew this to bits. Um, She not only blew it to bits, um, and when I say blow it to bits, I mean that literally. If you look at a city... Look at some of the photographs of the city of Surte in uh, Libya, absolutely flattened, and look at some of the NATO bombing reports. They made no bones about the fact they were bombing civilian targets. She, Libya was a very subtle and, yes, tenuous, but subtle um, amalgam of a number of tribal groups. And that's the history of much of the Middle East, of course. Um, Tribal power and tribal groups, tribal politics. And she blew that to smithereens. And um, she oversaw the assassination of Gaddafi. And not only the assassination, but the very gory murder of the man and gloated over it publicly Um, I was when that happened I was thinking of Hillary Clinton when she ran against Barack Obama and she then pledged as she put it the elimination and that was the word she used the elimination of Iran if uh, if there was any threat to Israel, um, there are many other examples of this. Um, Hillary Clinton has uh, um, is, is probably singularly responsible for the. Um, the heightened and very aggressive U.S. interest in the South China Sea. When she was Secretary of State in 2010, she was in Vietnam, and she made a very significant speech in which she made, she made it clear that the regional dispute in the South China Sea, the Spratly Islands and the Paracel Islands, was to be an American dispute, a U.S. dispute, um, she didn't say that, but her one particular speech she made added up to that. And from that point on, the, a, a regional, regional dispute in that part of the world, which, of course, is the most common kind of local dispute, dispute over reefs and outcrops and islets and small islands between countries and especially in Asia. Um, she elevated it to uh, an international flashpoint. And it's become an international flashpoint then. The Chinese are building airstrips in the Spratly Islands for one reason only, and they they are surrounded by something like 400 U.S. bases. And they're making moves uh, rather belatedly to defend themselves. Uh, that's rarely said aloud in the United States, and Hillary Clinton, as Secretary of State, uh, turned it into an issue that could very well lead to a very serious confrontation between China and the United States, and both are nuclear powers.
0: There's no doubt. And again, I, I started out that uh, that question kind of jokingly with that sort of reference to the Communist Manifesto and Karl Marx. But in fact, it's actually quite uh, quite appropriate if you think about it, because when I call Hillary Clinton a specter, haunting Europe and haunting Asia, this is in fact quite true. If you look at the buildup of U.S. military forces in Eastern Europe along Russia's border, you look at the so-called pivot to Asia, which really is the buildup of U.S. naval forces and military Military forces all along China's periphery. These two, uh, um, you know, buildups of military power leading up to this moment when Hillary Clinton uh, assumes office. This is a recipe for global catastrophe, and I can't think of anybody more willing to risk global war, a World War III, than somebody like a Hillary Clinton. And I include Donald Trump in that analysis because no matter what we want to say about. Donald Trump. He can't hold a candle to Hillary Clinton in terms of the warmongering, in terms of the international bullying, and let's call it what it is, imperialism. Hillary as the quintessential Mm. liberal imperialist.
1: Yeah, well, Hillary is way out in front of Donald Trump. Donald Trump actually uh, has said that he doesn't want to have a war with Russia, he doesn't want to have a war with China, whether believes that or not I really don't know but that's what he said so but she's made it very clear um, and um, as you point out the there are two fronts here uh, there is the so-called pivot to Asia with 60 uh, percent of US air and naval forces um, moving into. Uh, the Asia-Pacific, uh, the biggest build-up in that part of the world <clears throat> since the Second World War. And then you have in uh, on the western borders of Russia, uh, you have the biggest build-up uh, there since the Second World War. In fact, last week, um, Vladimir Putin made... Um, in a speech he made commemorating the seventy fifth anniversary of the Nazi invasion of the soviet union twenty second of june nineteen forty one um, and he used that occasion to liken the build up of nato forces thirty one thousand troops in all Poland and elsewhere um to liken them to Operation Barbarossa, which was the Nazi build-up and then invasion of the Soviet Union, as he pointed out correctly, there hasn't been anything like it since 1941. Um, it is—it says something about our world in which information is meant to be God—that. During the current um, presidential campaign in the United States, uh, this enormous risk being taken uh, uh, on the borders of Russia and an almost equal risk being taken around uh, China is not an issue. Neither of them are issues. Uh, and yet, uh, here we have um, these these two two areas of the world being primed for the kind of provocation that could very easily lead to lead to nuclear war.
0: There's no doubt about it. And actually, we need to, I think, broaden it even further because not only is Hillary Clinton a obvious and overt supporter of that kind of militarism. She is one of the spokespeople of some of the uh, economic forms of warfare that the United States is attempting to use against both Russia and China. For instance, Hillary is one of the prime exponents despite all of her campaign rhetoric when confronted by the Bernie Sanders movement and the anti-free trade movement. She is one of the quintessential spokespeople for the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which most experts are is a trade deal that is not about free trade as much as it is about isolating China economically, creating a a, uh, further U.S. hegemony, economic hegemony over the Pacific, the Asia-Pacific space. And again, with the sanctions against Russia, you see Hillary Clinton out in the lead talking about economically punishing Russia. So you have a military buildup, but you also have Hillary Clinton as a cheerleader for economic warfare kind of soft power subversion as well, which is in many ways just as dangerous.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's I think that's right. I mean uh, she uh, uh, but she's following she's following the Democratic Party tradition. She's nothing unusual. Uh, The only thing really unusual about her is that she will could well be the first female president But otherwise, he's pretty much the same as all the, let's say, liberal-democratic – I'm not sure that she's even liberal uh, – but liberal-democratic party presidential candidates since Harry Truman. Most of the wars that uh, the United States has started since 1945 have been started by liberal-democrats. They haven't been started by Republicans. Um, so uh, the Democrats have a, a very rich tradition in uh, in warmongering, and uh, Hillary Clinton is well within that. That's why I would call her the, the embodiment of, a, of an enduring and very re- resilient system um, and... Uh, For all those uh, happy, clappy crowds around her, all those women rejoicing that she's the first female to get this far to the White House, is just absurd. Um, Surely it's time for some of them to start thinking.
0: Well, you would think so. But uh, then again, uh, this is U.S. politics, which is not a thinking man or woman's game. Um, but I do think that we also, we also need to consider how we've gotten to this point. You know, you have this uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner, Barack Obama, who wins the prize before he's done anything simply on the vague and hollow platitudes of nuclear disarmament and nuclear de-escalation. And here we are eight years later, all of these problems having been exacerbated. Libya having been destroyed, bombing Somalia, bombing Yemen, uh, building up against China, and all of these things happening under Obama's watch. But we look at Hillary Clinton and what kind of a potential disaster she represents, and you have to see Hillary as an escalation up and above beyond what Obama has done and against the backdrop of what we're seeing globally, including what many are saying is a potential global economic meltdown, down coming in the not too distant future, that seems to me at least a recipe for global catastrophe.
1: Well, I'm not a futurist, uh, and I don't know what she will be like. I think there's very good indications of what that she will follow on. Um, I'm loath to diminish any of the uh, achievements of Barack Obama having uh, promised in 2009 to help the world get rid of nuclear weapons, uh, he's ensured that nuclear warhead spending has risen higher under his uh, administration than under any post-Cold War president, um, so that uh, the United States now is spending something on average of, $35 thirty five billion dollars a year on nuclear weapons and the modernization of nuclear weapons with many nuclear weapons like the b sixty one having been developed under obama um, so um she's got a lot to uh live up to there <laughs> he's um He's one of the more violent presidents. And it's only public relations and the nonsense called uh, news uh, that uh, allows us to think otherwise. Um, My own view is that um, she'll be yet another U.S. president plus. There'll be a little bit extra. And it's that little bit extra we should worry about because uh, for some reason... I've been able to survive as long as I have without having been blown to bits by a U.S. president. Um, and uh, but now with two uh, two uh, very dangerous propagations under war underway with um, two, um, um, particularly in the case of Russia, leading nuclear powers. Uh, then there are great risks ahead and uh, and uh, it is really the responsibility of all those people well everywhere but especially in the United States and especially those who came out in their thousands to back somebody like Bernie Sanders to understand this and to understand that it's not just a big political game going on Um, It's not just a feel-good game. Uh, There are very, very serious stakes of war and peace here and that people really need to start speaking out.
0: Absolutely. And we have to, I think, even broaden the scope of what we're talking about here, because at the very same time that we see this uh, warmongering against China and against Russia, we also see the United States backing a clear and unmistakable uh, ascendancy of the right wing in Latin America, the destruction of multiple governments and and nations in Latin America. Remember, Hillary being instrumental in the coup in Honduras in 2009 and bringing that right-wing government into power, deposing a democratically elected social democratic government there. She is intimately tied to some of the key individuals involved in what the U.S. is doing in Latin America against Bolivia and Ecuador and obviously Brazil most recently. We see in Africa the expansion of AFRICOM and the militarization of the continent under Obama, obviously to be expanded uh, by leaps and bounds by Hillary. So really everywhere we look, even be Beyond Russia and China, Hillary has the potential to spark a kind of global. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to necessarily say world war, but certainly global uh, destabilization. To use the word you ironically used earlier. Yeah,
1: well, it can be a world war. Uh, I mean, world wars can happen. Um, can happen by accident, and not long ago there was a commission headed by. Uh, Uh, General uh, James Cartwright uh, seems to be a sensible general. And uh, he pointed out that there was now a hair-trigger system in which leaders on all sides, uh, those who were leaders of nuclear powers, had only minutes, something like 10 or 12 minutes, to decide uh, whether to uh, counterattack or uh, attack if there was a threat. I mean, that when I read that, it would really brought it back to what the great overall overarching threat that nuclear war is, that it does come down to a few minutes. And as we know from the um, the revelations of a particular... Soviet uh, submarine commander uh, and others following the end of the First Cold War uh, that we came very close to, to a nuclear confrontation. When I was in Okinawa recently, um, I interviewed a number of people there and it coincided with a testimony given by Uh, a missileer who was a young in 1960, he was a very young US Air Force um, serviceman based in Okinawa Uh, and he was one of those responsible for the MACE missiles which were aimed from, in Okinawa directly at China and at the Soviet Union and he described in a testimony to a United Nations Committee, um, how um, one of these uh, was almost fired, Um, and it was fired not accidentally, but uh, someone higher up the chain apparently suffered some kind of breakdown and ordered one of them to be fired and it was only the uh, the, uh, the vigilance of one or two officers that stopped this happening. But his point was that it, we'd come very close to uh, a sort of Armageddon, um, and that was back then. Um, and back then in 1960, when there was a great deal of tension, and here we are uh, watching... The same tension build up with uh, Russia and China. Uh, So there are great risks ahead. Uh, The United States and the world desperately needs uh, a president, regardless, actually, of their political leaning, who will just be sane enough to want to negotiate as a couple of presidents have been to negotiate um, um, restraint policies and treaties, um, treaties with China and the Soviet Union. But um, um, let's see what happens with Clinton. If she's elected, uh, you know, I'm not sure that she's going to be elected. I think there is such a an air of rebellion generally in the West as demonstrated by the Brexit vote in Britain that uh, you may have President Trump and who knows what his policies will be.
0: Well, that, that's that's right, and also a, a scary thought, perhaps for different reasons, but certainly uh, something to consider. Now, I don't want to sell Hillary Clinton short. She doesn't only want to victimize and oppress people around the world. She will focus at home as well. We have a long track record that Hillary Clinton has, both in her time uh, as, as uh, senator, but also as a very influential uh, figure under her husband's Administration, the gutting of the welfare system, the creation of what we now call the prison industrial complex or the for profit prison industry, the uh, attacks upon working people in various ways, the attempt to gut Social Security, all of these things. And yet, Hillary Clinton is able, for a variety of reasons, including political manipulation, including a compliant corporate media, and including the bogeyman of Donald Trump, she is able to posture as a defender of working people people as a defender of minorities this from one of the most yeah. vicious people we have in the political establishment this is something that also really needs to be discussed and again we see the liberal uh the liberal figureheads in our corporate media telling us to just be quiet shut up focus on trump yeah well
1: trump is uh, a gift really for many he's uh, the ultimate demon or bogeyman as you call him and uh uh, his his name has become uh, synonymous with threat, and uh, um, he he's he's become a sort of pantomime figure, but he's not a pantomime figure. He's a very serious character who has every chance of becoming president. But um, it, you know, it does mean that anyone who Opposes him in this run, and there's only one left in this race, and that's Hillary Clinton. Uh, can use the demon to uh, to scare people into voting for her. It's a uh, it's it's a very uh, unpalatable choice between the two. But in my opinion, Hillary Clinton, uh, if I'm to guess at it, is by far the the more dangerous uh, candidate of the two.
0: Yeah. And, and we here in the United States, we can also think about uh, the dangers of a President Trump, including the kind of movement congealing around him and what happens when Trump himself as an individual leaves the scene and what happens to that movement and how it's seized upon. But all of these things are open questions in many ways, sort of a wild card, whereas I feel like Hillary right. Clinton is really a known quantity and we know what we're going to get from her. But, John, i got to ask you, surely we should vote for her because she's a woman. <laughs> well yeah I
1: mean <laughs> there are a lot of people who think that um, uh, you know it's the same way that a lot of people and understandably amongst the black community though I'm sure many of them regret it now voted for Barack Obama because he was an African American um, uh, um, The the there's a real absurdity in so-called identity politics that puts people forward because um, they are of a certain gender or of a certain ethnic uh, group um, that that is their credential nothing else that is their credential and they are the first in that it's such a dangerous concept Um, you know George W. Bush had one of the most multi-ethnic um, cabinets. Uh, he had Colin Powell, he had Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza Rice, one of the scariest people who drift across the American political scene. And uh, he had that um, attorney general uh, who broke the law constantly. I've forgotten his name now. Alberto Gonzalez. Uh, Gonzalez, that's right. Um, so it it really is so patronizing. To, um, to, to African-American people, so patronizing to women uh, and so degrading of the great movements, the civil rights movement and the great feminist movement, the people who equate feminism, for example, with single issue, with identity politics, uh, are, are really uh, degrading feminism. Uh, Because you end up with Hillary Clinton, Um, you end up with Hillary Clinton, who um, in Libya alone, her actions would have killed many, many women, apart from men and children, boys and girls, killed women. Unfortunately, uh, the weapons aimed at countries like that don't distinguish between the genders. Um, uh, so it's an absurdity and it's about time, uh, so-called progressive people stop thinking in terms of, uh, identity and started to think in terms of real issues, uh, and, and how the connections are all there and that people earn our respect, not because of their agen- their gender or their, uh, or their ethnic uh, group or their even their sexual disposition. Uh, they earn it because of what they do and the way and their humanity. That doesn't mean to say that there should not be, um, there should not be, uh, I would think to use that old term, positive discrimination, bringing the equality of gender equality, for example, into parliamentary representation, uh, but when, when, as I read so often, feminists uh, uh, applauding women becoming the token woman on a corporate board, uh, or now applauding in their numbers Hillary Clinton, um, that's, that is so misguided.
0: Yeah, and it's not
1: misguided; it's wrong, and it, it does it 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 demeans the the great movements that have brought real progress to all of us.
0: That's right. You know, those great feminists like Madeleine Albright, who famously said that uh, yeah. 500,000 dead Iraqis was worth it. Right. Those 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 wonderful feminists of that kind. Now, I know we're, we're just about out of time and I don't want to keep you over the time here. But I, I, I want to just point to one other issue here. And this is relevant to our conversation here about Hillary Clinton. And that has to do with the complicity of the uh, liberal media. And when I say liberal media, I don't mean the way that the right when Republicans talk about liberal media. I mean the the corporate establishment that pushes forward the liberal imperialist perspective. Now, John, you had a very important piece. I'd say probably one of the most important pieces so far published this year. Uh, it was published on Counterpunch, A World War Has Begun, Break the Silence, in which you talk about a lot of the issues that we've highlighted here. Now, I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty about what happened, mm. but you experienced a form of liberal sense. Censorship uh, related to that article that I think is very important to discuss. You were essentially asked to tone down the rhetoric about Hillary Clinton, which really exposes her for what she is. Now, to me, from from you know being in the media world and in the media landscape, that to me is so. In- I mean, aside from insulting, it is incredibly dangerous to really yeah. deal with that form of censorship. Mm. So with our final uh, couple of minutes here, can you talk a little bit about the danger of censorship and silence on the left when it comes to Hillary Clinton as we're all being bashed over the head with the Donald Trump club?
1: Yeah, well that that was that was a, a thoroughly misguided uh, action on behalf of truthout.com which had uh, which I've which has published my articles over many years. Uh, and uh, they came back to me and and said that um, they really objected to my suggestion that there was an equivalence between Trump and Clinton. And I don't think I suggested an equivalence, although I would say that they are two sides of the same coin, yes. Um but uh, but even so, it, that was my opinion based on my own experience. And um, it's an opinion they've been, they were prepared to publish over many years, but not uh, on this basis. I have to say, it's very odd because Truthout has carried quite a lot of critical articles about Hillary Clinton. But I think the fact that I'd put her in the same leaking boat as Donald Trump uh was just um, too much for them um i uh, look the, the 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 censorship by omission uh is is exists in the so-called mainstream media it doesn't actually that, that was reasonably unusual i think on the web. I think one of the I always find one of the most hopeful aspects of journalism that particularly in the United States there is a very lively web and Counterpunch is a, a very fine example of of that uh, but in the media itself and the media that we have to say most people take notice of such as free-to-air television uh, the censorship by omission is, 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 is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Uh, people are dealt with in a series of cliches and stereotypes. It's the imposition of a kind of ignorance on people. That goes on and on. The And I'm thinking not necessarily of Fox television, but the other networks as well. Um, but perhaps the most credible and effective the most effective censorship come through uh, those um, institutions in the media and they are institutions that describe themselves as liberal and enlightened such as the New York Times and the Washington Post, the BBC and The Guardian. I say they're effective because these Media outlets do have a great deal of credibility. That makes their omissions and their distortions more acceptable. People are not looking for them, they're not skeptical about them. Uh, and these so called watchdogs that often look down their noses on the Fox TVs and the rest really do have a lot to answer for in keeping. Uh, keeping people in free societies ignorant about incredibly important issues
0: what you're highlighting is the importance of a truly independent and free media independent thinking for that matter and i think that those people who really value that have to look at hillary clinton and 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 really just shudder at the thought so my final Mm. my final question to you then is um if you were to you know impart uh your wisdom to the people particularly in the united states when it comes to hillary clinton and this election uh what is it that you really want to leave people thinking about? Because in my view, when we talk about, quote-unquote, independence, we also need a truly independent politics, something that, and an independent political movement, not one under the banner of a Democrat or a Republican, but something that's truly independent and something that is woefully lacking in the U.S. Yeah, all right.
1: Well, uh, I don't think it's up to me to impart wisdoms to people uh i i i always i i i feel that people we are all very privileged we live in societies where there is there are there is plenty of information you simply have to make the effort to find it and read there are books there is you walk into a bookshop And there is a whole range of books. If you don't want to read a book, then you can go on the World Wide Web. Um, I think it is about people dragging themselves away from their phones and from all the other ephemeral digital toys that now uh, take up so much of people's lives. And if they are really concerned what is going to happen to themselves and to their families and communities they have to find out i don't think they should be should be spoon-fed or i don't think you know tablets should be handed down to people i think that that privileged people in free societies should really start looking for themselves and fighting back as it were by with information and there's plenty of it about
0: Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you again for coming on the program. John Pilger, activist, filmmaker, writer, journalist. Um, his work is everywhere. It's, it's always top notch. I mean, I, I can't even tell you how important uh, uh, your work has been to my own political development. So I thank you for that, for your continuing efforts. And uh, as always, listeners, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, enjoy the holiday, and I'll speak to you again real soon.